If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of the Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at Win bet. Again, my name is Jeffrey Gorman, joined week in and week out by Miss Lara Overton. JJ Stankovitz from Colts.com, the senior writer, is here. And guys, I want to start with this. It seems like we haven't played football in forever because we are sitting here on a Tuesday and it seems like it's been a week ago since we played. I'm a little confused, but I'm fired up about this upcoming game. I I, I don't I don't, like forgot what a weekend off it was, was that, like. Wasn't that nice? I went to brunch on Sunday How about with my that? family. We just kind of hung out. It was very relaxing. <laughs> Watched a lot of football. <laughs> Jeffrey just jumped <laughs> I know, out of the chair I know, I know. like I got, he was a jack. But it's you. But it's you. Because I love what hearing what you're doing with your family. But this lady has a uh, she has a horse for for a pet. She's newly married. I need to find out about your weekend. You're the pride of Broad Ripple. You and Tucker. Let's not forget about Tug. So what happened so, with your weekend? Well, I tweeted about this because I did not have the best of Sundays. I clearly am meant to be at work on a Sunday because I went to the grocery st- grocery, grocery store. You could say I it. apparently mm-hmm. cannot speak either. <laughs> And I had to stop at two different places. So I went to the grocery store, and on my first stop, well, it was Target. I went to Target, and um, when I stopped at the grocery after that, I opened the back of my car to load the round of groceries in from Fresh Time. And uh, great grocery bag, store, by the way. The bag containing my red wine that I was planning to enjoy with my Sunday evening meal rolled right out the back of the SUV oh, no. onto the concrete splattered everywhere broken glass cut my hand there's red wine everywhere i'm trying to pick it all up trying to go throw it away i get home and i had made some chili and things and so i was trying to clean the house and while i was cleaning i decided to light a candle because i do have i do have an essentially a horse in my house (laughs) with the tugboat and uh i caught my thumbnail on fire oh gosh because i yeah i mean it literally and you didn't even have any wine to get through that exactly exactly Exactly. I had already broken the wine. I'd cut my hand, caught my thumb on fire. So I cannot freaking wait to get back to work what on happened? Sundays. What happened? So, because I, don't know. Just, I mean, back in the the Bloomington days when you yeah. were, you know, all all everything and, and you know, running for the university yeah. and stuff, you guys, you and your, your your friends used to drink a lot of the box wine. So <laughs> why not, why would I'm not removed why, from the box why wine? Why would you just go with the box wine? Because if it rolls out the back of the SUV, well, all I do is I pick was, it up I and I was like, Oh, it's a Sunday off. I'm gonna splurge a little here, you know, I'm gonna break away from the boda. And uh, I'm going to go get myself a fine bottle. I can't even remember what it was. It wasn't like it was Opus One or something. It doesn't matter because you couldn't drink it. it. Yeah, I mean, but uh, yeah. I'm going back to the box wine because it's less of (laughs) a, um, you know, casualty risk, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. No, I stabbed. I had a shard of glass in my hand uh, all because of this. So, guys, I can't wait to go back to stage. JJ, a great brunch, a nice relaxing day with the family. Lara, complete chaos and a war zone for the most Let's be honest. I mean, there is still chaos happening. <laughs> it's, with different the twin chaos. Boys. Sure. it's different yeah, chaos. Different chaos. Two year old boys. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, 
I just got to say it. I went to Shapiro's, and I owe you guys a Shapiro's because I've been saying this for years. On Sunday, mm-hmm. I went to Shapiro's right at the crack of open. Remember, there was a time change and everything. So 11 o'clock felt like noon, so we got there right a little bit after 11. And, JJ, I had my pastrami with Swiss okay. on rye. Great. Uh, my weekend was set. I Great. mean, I'm simple like that. So I want to get into some football right now because there is some confusion going on in my world, and that's why I bring you guys here to help me out. What the hell happened? Well, shoot, where do I start? I want to go into this Jacksonville Jaguar team yeah. that we're going to play, but I can't. I can't. What did we learn, JJ? I'm starting about you. <laughs> what did we learn about the Colts, all three phases, if you will, mm-hmm. against a Jet team that lost its starting quarterback – lost his backup quarterback, and finally the third-string quarterback came in to play the Colts on a Thursday night. A guy who wasn't even on the depth chart. Yeah. We're in the second quarter, and Maytay's talking, and I'm like flipping my flip card. Like, who like, is this? Uh-huh. Yeah, because he was signed off the practice squad that day. Because yep. I'm like, that ain't Joe Flacco. I yep. know Joe Flacco. Flacco's and Flacco didn't dress, huh? No, he no, didn't, he didn't even dress. Yeah. So what I learned about the Colts is that this offense – they are explosive. They're dangerous from every single yard marker on the field. That, I think, we've we've started to know over the last couple of weeks. For the defense, I mean, look, the, the Colts got up 42-10, to 10, and the defense did what they've been doing all year, which is playing kind of off coverage, saying, you're not beating us over the top, and it led to the Jets getting some points late. Not so much dink and dunk, but just everything underneath. Right, everything exactly. underneath. Right, it's not dink and dunk, but yeah, you keep everything underneath. If you look at the Colts' numbers since week three, so the start of October, they're, they they have the fifth lowest average depth of target for opponents. They're only 7.9 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. So that's telling you, again, that they're, you're keeping the ball in front. You're not allowing big plays. The Colts are 12th in, in explosive pass percentage allowed since since the start of October. So again, that's kind of how this defense is going to operate. Now, you'd like them to finish better and not allow 30 points when you're up 42 to 10, but I, I still think there are some decent things we saw from this defense and will continue to see. They're, they lead the league in takeaways. Mm-hmm. That's really important, especially when you're playing this kind of style of defense. You've got to take the ball away. That's what they're doing. They're second in turnover differential in the NFL right now. And as it relates to... I guess the the other phase, special teams. Well, Michael Badgley still hasn't missed a kick. That's what I mean, we're there. I mean, what's going to happen when this thing happens? You know, Blankenship comes back. We, you know, he's a guy who was taken, you know, highly coveted, undrafted free agent out of Georgia type thing. And then we got this Badgley who's just, you know, the money badger, they're calling him, Lara. Oh, I love the money badger moniker. I love that name. It's I can get on board Is with there that. a competition here? I don't think there's so much a competition because Badgley's dominating right now so i don't see a whole lot of i mean i don't know hot rod like, has I mean, I mean hot rod hasn't returned to practice so your best your best ability is availability availability so it I is don't know. it I, is i don't really know what to make of that the, but the point is the kicking situation is the least of my i know exactly. i know that, that's the that's the you're point right there the kicking situation we're in a is good the least place of our concerns we're in a good place lara first half second half we heard what jj said statistically speaking what goes on in the second half defensively because we didn't want to see 30 points put up on the board by this jets team with a third string quarterback that we were all looking on the depth chart who the heck is this i mean what do you think is going on from here on out because the guts and the blood of the of the schedule is starting i mean i know it's a tough year but we are into the final second half of this season and we need to basically jj and lara Win out. I mean, to hopefully can you know figure out what Tennessee's doing in the AFC South, which we kind of figured out. But we got to give you know this thing's got to go seven and one type of thing, a no type of thing from here on out to be considered to get into that wild card. Well, and 
it goes back to we heard this team talk a lot about having a killer instinct, and I didn't see it in a fourth quarter. I felt like that this was a Jets team that you needed to just absolutely demolish. You needed to not let your foot off the gas whatsoever. You had everything working for you. You had all the momentum, prime time, you're at home playing, and you started to let this team come back into the picture. I mean, you know, they were – it was – as JJ mentioned, 42-10, 42-16, 42-23, okay, 45, that ends up 45-30. You let that team score 14 points between late in the third quarter to the end of the game. I just thought that this was a team that I wanted to see play with more of a sense of urgency and a sense of wanting to just absolutely obliterate this team and never feel comfortable. And a tweet that I saw, I know that JJ talked about the takeaway numbers, and yeah, the takeaway numbers are great, but the Colts are first in the NFL in takeaways, 32nd in pressure percentage and hurries. Mm. And with the quarterbacks that you have coming in, it is essential to establish some sort of quarterback pressure. You cannot let a quarterback like Josh Allen go unpressured. Kyler Murray's of the mm-hmm. world. I mean, Tom, Tom Brady's. Yeah. Like, I mean, the guys who you have coming up, and it starts right now with Trevor Lawrence, although he's a rookie who has had some rookie struggles. This Jacksonville team found a way to beat Buffalo with their defense last week. So, and you saw the effectiveness of what Jacksonville did against Buffalo centered around getting pressure to the quarterback. And when I talked to Frank Reich on Monday, about his takeaways from watching Buffalo and Jacksonville on Sunday. He said it reminded him a lot of that game back in 2018 Mm -hmm. that the Colts played against Jacksonville and, you know, the field goal fest that that kind of was in that scenario. So there's a lot of interesting things to take away from. I think that this defensive line is gaining a lot more confidence um, playing together rotating guys in, getting a variety of pressure from guys like Taylor Stallworth, who had a career day. A couple of them, right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. He had a career day against the Jets. So if you can start to get uh, more of a an effectiveness up front from your rotation of guys, and I'm incorporating Dio Adangbo in there as he's been playing more. Um, of course, Quiddy, Taylor Stallworth, I mean, all of the guys who you have there in that mix up front, that's going to be where you need to see this defense really start to accelerate in this latter portion of the season. Well, what we got, J.J., is a 9-6 to victory by the Jaguars over the Bills. Uh, you know, we allowed, like Lara had said, they didn't want to allow the 30 points to a you know, third-string quarterback, but we did. Now, the makeup of this matchup, they did something different defensively in the backfielders. Urban Meyer put his guys. I don't know what it was exactly. What were you sniffing out about that high-powered offense getting shut down, yep. held to two field goals, and not only that, we got to take a look at the Jacksonville offense because they're coming in here as well. The 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 Jaguars front just kicked the Bills' butts up front. That to me, that's what it came down to. If you look at some of the numbers from that game, the Jaguars' pass rushing win percentage was about forty three percent. So nearly. For these, this entire team, nearly one in every two snaps for these guys, that Jaguars D-line or whoever was coming on a blitz was winning. And and just that doesn't necessarily mean they got a pressure, but they were beating the guy in front of them. I mean, you know, we can talk all about Josh Allen picking off Josh Allen and right. sacking Josh Allen, um, but this was a total team effort. And you look at the, you know, what Josh Allen had to do. He, he was holding on to the ball a lot. His average time to throw was about three seconds. His average depth of target was about six yards, so he's holding onto the ball a lot, and he's not throwing it downfield. That to, to me, what I want to know about this game is not necessarily can the Jaguars carry this over, but can the Jaguars 
did the Jaguars provide a blueprint for beating the Bills mm. that the Colts can follow in two weeks? I know we don't want to look past that. We'll talk about the Bills game a week from today. But that that was such a shocking result. And, Lara, I think your point about, hey, this was sort of like that 2018 game where the Colts are on that great run, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's a 6-0 clunker against Jacksonville. The Jaguars, for whatever reason, they still got some players you know, who, who have a lot of talent. And the the thing for me, though, that stood out was the Bills' offensive line just was not up to the task. And that is – I'm very interested in how that will play out in a couple of weeks. As it relates to the Jaguars, home game, big opponent. The, I'm not saying the Jags can't Hold carry on. this over because they can, but I, I, I still have a little more doubt that this is the start of a trend for the Jaguars. How about the Jaguars signing – Jordan Wilkins. How about that? Yeah. You don't think that they're squad? trying to glean a little they insight should. and a they playbook should. with that? And, uh, um, also, let me be transparent on this, and I ask you both, what happened? Give me something on Jordan Wilkins. Well, okay, so he if he was your fourth string running back and you needed the roster spot, uh, I believe it was for when Dio Dengbo came off NFI. Um, you're talking about a guy who hadn't played in a little while, wasn't getting a lot of carries. You got a guy in Deion Jackson who the Colts clearly like, especially when it comes to special teams, so... Um, you know, play, the, the Colts like Jordan Wilkins, absolutely. But when it comes down to this, it's a numbers game, and Chris Ballard is always doing everything he can to make sure this roster is in the best shape possible to win games. This is just one of those situations where a guy who, you know, we all liked here in Indianapolis just no longer really fit on the roster. Right wild, now. wild. And I'm uh, sorry to cut you off because no. he's one of my favorite guys, Jordan oh, Wilkins. And it was like, he's then incredible. he had, uh, you know, uh, he was held out with a uh, non-football injury type thing. Didn't figure that out. And non-football then, illness, illness. As opposed yeah. to a football illness, right. which we can't quite figure out what a football illness is, but it was, Might yes. be a scraped knee or something. <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't know well, what that is. That would is. be an injury, though. Yeah, it would it's be. an illness. So, uh, but what I pointed out, just so Adam Schefter tweeted on Sunday, Josh Allen has intercepted, sacked, and recovered a fumble from um, Josh Allen yeah. <laughs> today in that Buffalo Jacksonville game, which I retweeted and said, "This is the NFL version of Inception." Yeah. <laughs> Josh Allen on Josh Allen crime. That was just a that was just weird. It is, you know, to see that this, unfold. This Jacksonville team comes in, and let's be honest, he threw for 118 yards in that Buffalo win, and I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence, 118 Got in the win. Ankle. He does. Okay, so 118, we had, uh, what, 67 yards out of Carlos Hyde. I'm asking you this, J.J., what are they offensively? We haven't figured this, oh, he's going to be the next great quarterback, he's this, he's that, as they were saying when he's coming out of Clemson. It's been an up-and-down year for the kid. He's had some good games, had some bad ones, but what are we looking at when this Jaguars team comes in? And, you know, we've talked about at length our defense right there. Great in the first half, a little bit of a bend in the second half. What are we facing? You can see the talent with Trevor Lawrence. It's there, and it's going to come. But right now, it's he's he seems like he's pushing it quite a bit, and I think that benefits the way we want to play, where Lawrence is maybe a little more willing to be aggressive and maybe a little overly aggressive with some of his throws. You look at his his just season numbers; there hasn't really been a standout game. His highest quarterback or passer rating ninety three point four. That was in Week Six against the Dolphins. Uh, or sorry, 96.5, that was against um, the Bengals, but he didn't even throw a touchdown in that game. So, there, there's again, there's talent there. I'm not sure the, the the rest of that Jaguars offense is where it needs to be. I mean, that, that game in Week 8 against the Seahawks, they lost 31-7 to to the Seahawks on the road before they be, went out and beat the Bills. I heard nothing about that game. Right. 
and like all the national football podcasts I listen to or you know read about football I just I heard nothing about that game it's like you know a tree falls in a forest no yeah. one hears it that's kind of what it felt the Seahawks beating the Jags um but you know Jacksonville you, you still have to be aware of their talent and something that Frank Reich talked about on Monday is that last weekend with the Jaguars beating the Bills the the Broncos beating the Cowboys you just don't know and you have to take every team seriously and and realize that any team in any week can beat you in the NFL. For sure. For sure. Well said. Uh, Larry, I want to talk to you about Carson Wentz. We got uh, coming up, we got Rhett Lewis from the NFL Network who's going to be fun. We're going to go all over the AFC South in the league with Rhett and talk specifically about our Colts. Uh, but Carson Wentz, your thoughts on what we've got here, okay? Because we talked about the bum ankles and getting in and the COVID five days off and what happened, you know, soon after training camp and everything. And then he's getting comfortable. And then he's having some incredible days where he looks like an MVP on it. Some dunderheaded plays like we saw against Tennessee. We got it. But, you know, he was on top of his game right there. Now we're going into the second half of the season, as we talked about. Is this cat, has he even scratched the surface yet? I think you're scratching the surface. I think you're seeing the potential. It's certainly not yet been reached. But one of the really encouraging things to me with that Thursday night performance is, you know, not just the single game career high passer rating of 134.3, sixth consecutive game with two passing touchdowns, at least two passing touchdowns, joins Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes as the only quarterbacks to have at least six straight multiple touchdown games. All those things aside, I like the way he distributed the ball. Mm -hmm. You loved the rushing attack with JT and Naheem Hines and how well balanced it was between the run and the pass and you know Frank Reich said on Monday he admitted that was even a little bit more run heavy likely than kind of Mm -hmm. what you would you quote unquote balance isn't exactly 50-50 that was exactly 50-50 and that's not going to be often what you get I'm really impressed by that because the Jets defensively where they've been strongest is in their run defense for the majority of the year and the way that the Colts were able to take advantage of that but then you have on top of obviously you know Carson you know getting the ball in the hands of JT and Naheem very effectively and in great situations but you know passing touchdowns to Danny Pinter How about that yeah. the big man TD Michael Pittman Jr Jack Doyle I just love the way that he was working the ball around distributing it kind of you know the varying that there was that the kind of um chemistry that mm-hmm. they found, the way he was mixing things up situationally, I thought you really started to see Carson have a next level of continuity, a next level of confidence in the guys that he is playing behind, the guys that he's working with, the guys that he's connecting with. But yeah, I thought that Thursday night was a good, complete, really solid effort in which Carson made some great plays, but did not try to do too much. Yes, and and he, to, to build on that, Lara, there was that the Jonathan Taylor's touchdown, the twenty-one yard touchdown. I was gonna say which one of the two. Right, yeah, sorry, which one of the two? The the shorter one, which still was twenty-one yards. They got to the line. Carson checked into a play there that wasn't really even like on the menu necessarily. It was just his knowledge of the offense, him reading the defense and saying, This play will work. Let's check into it. And it leads to a twenty-one yard touchdown. Ryan Kelly said after the game, that's just kind of how Carson has continued to grow within this offense. And I want to go back quickly to something we heard from Michael Pittman Jr. about the San Francisco game. That touchdown that Pitt had to secure the victory mm-hmm. on Sunday night football out there in Santa Clara. He told us when we were working on the uh, director's cut piece with him that that was a play that they hadn't even worked since 
camp, I believe. Like it was something that they hadn't even done in practice of late. But, you know, Carson kind of pulled that out and he was like, all right, we're we're going with it. We're Mm -hmm. running this. So I love to see one Carson have that, um, you know, command and then also to have all of his weapons kind of reiterating, reciprocating that confidence in him back. And Carson Wentz is third in the NFL with three interceptions. Nice. He's taking care of the football. Taking care of the football. And, and so yeah. third, third fewest. Third, third fewest. fewest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. And and look, I know everyone loves to laugh when Carson Wentz makes a mistake and oh, ha, ha, ha. Look at this. It's Carson. Uh, there he hey, goes Matt again. Stafford, Matthew Stafford had the exact it's same, same sure. yeah. thing. Maybe it's because the Titans defense is really good. I don't know. I don't know. But the narrative about Carson Wentz, it's going to take a lot for it to change nationally. But inside this building that we are in right now, people know he's playing well. And and whatever people think nationally of Carson Wentz, everyone in this building will tell you he's playing well. Right, and, right. And that's what matters. I ask you this, guys. Uh, we got Rhett, Wilson, Rhett Lewis excuse me, coming up from the NFL Network in a minute. And I've talked about this ad nauseum with you guys throughout the years. Do we need to force feed Naeem Hines, or is it just take what we're given? Because you and I, Lara, you and I, JJ, have talked multiple weeks about, well, he only got three touches. Well, he only touched the ball four times. I'm saying, like, with the spark that he does, you just see that the way he runs, he's he's not of this human form. I mean, he is a different cat. Do we need to force feed him to get him the ball, even though he's not if he's not cooking in the first or second? What do you guys think? No, because yeah. I think that you keep defenses guessing on how much you're going to utilize him, when you're going to utilize him. I think that you don't want to make that aspect of it predictable because you know that establishing the run with Jonathan Taylor is going to be a priority early on. And so teams are going to know to expect that because why wouldn't you? You'd be crazy not to, right? I think that you need to keep some you know, mystery in these aspects of the weapons you have and how you're going to utilize them. With Naheem, he's the threat of run game and the receiving game. Jonathan Taylor has emerged as, you know, a presence also in the passing game as well. So I think that what you do is I kind of like that Naheem will break out and have these like monster games. I mean, he was the first one on the board last week getting in the end zone for the Colts. And I, I just I like the way that they mix it up and they find that variety. I don't think that you have to force anything Mm -hmm. with this offense aside from making sure Jonathan Taylor gets an adequate number of touches. That's right. Look, I mean, Naheem Hines is going to be a part of this offense. He's Mm -hmm. probably going to be, he's probably going to like piss you off if you're a fantasy football player and you want to have Naheem Hines in your team because there might be a game where he goes, you know, eight for 14 like he did against the the 49ers. But then against the Jets, six for 74 with a touchdown. He's going to get his this year. And they're going to come in big moments. Like, do, do not count out Naheem Hines, you know, when the Colts go to Buffalo mm-hmm. or they host Tampa or they go to Arizona or they, they play New England in a game that all of a sudden looks like it might have some huge playoff sure. implications, that guy could come up with a huge season-changing play for the Colts this Even year. Even special teams included Absolutely, on, that, on a punt return. Absolutely. Busted. All right, parting shots. We're going to get to Rhett Lewis here. What do you guys think? What is it going to take and what is the final? I haven't done this before with you guys, so I'm doing it now. What are we looking at on Sunday come about 4, 4.30? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly have no idea. I, I don't want to give you a final score because that no, only, I'm not asking that. that but only get, that's yeah. bad for me. But I mean, look, the, the Colts. I, I think, like Frank Reich said, getting to sit back last weekend and watch what happened with the Jaguars beating the Bills, a, a game I, I, I'm sure Buffalo was just the heaviest favorite over the weekend, and to see what happened there, you gotta you gotta make sure that you take every opponent seriously. The Jaguars 
are a team to take seriously. They have talent on that roster. Yes, they may not have the record, but they have talent, and they just beat a team in the Buffalo Bills who a lot of people have making the Super sure. Bowl out of the AFC. And an MVP on their quarterback. And an MVP yeah. on their quarterback. So the, the Colts are going to be on it this week. I, I'm not going to tell you they're going to win the game, but I think you go into this game feeling confident just with the way things are trending. For this I'm going to go into the must win. I'm going to go into it's Jacksonville. You I must every, every you game, yeah. every game every, is. Right? Every, I mean, we yeah. do this every week on the pregame show, but literally, again, a must win. You've got to beat, you've got to handle business against the Jaguars. I know they're, everybody's talking about them, beating up Josh Allen, whatever. Urban Meyer, I don't care. You have to take care of business. No, the, here. the Jets had just beat the Bengals before they came sure. to Lucas Oil and we Stadium. Just, yeah. Well, so, we, got, yeah. we got lucky with Mike White. I mean, a hot quarterback that everybody's talking about going out injured. Well, Josh Johnson early. threw for quite a few yards. That's true. So. That's true. Over 300 to be to be fair. All right, guys, I appreciate the roundtable, but we're going to keep it going. Rhett Lewis from the NFL Network. We're going to pick his brain about what's going on in the AFC South and around the NFL. Rhett, it's a pleasure to have you. I know you're a busy man surfing around this league, keeping up with everything that's going on, and we are going to pick your brain. But my first question to you is go back a few, a few months, if you will. Did you see the Colts at the position that they're at right now after acquiring Carson Wentz, seeing what they have in Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr. Are, are, did, are you are you disappointed where they're at right now? Are you a little confused, surprised? What is it? Yeah, no, it's a good question because I think it's a little bit of everything because, you know, once we saw first couple of days of training camp that Carson was going to be down for a few weeks, you know, I was like, all right, this could be a tough early stretch of the season if he is even able to make it back. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was able to make it back, and it was, in fact, a tough opening stretch to the season. But they have won three of four here, right? A couple of division wins in there, um, or at least one over the Texans, right? So I know it was a tough loss to the Titans, um, but that was a game that they should have won. And I think a game that they'll be in a good position to really compete in, you know, the type of game, rather, down the stretch. And look, here's the thing about the AFC. Nobody's out of it right now, mm-hmm. all right? I mean, like, the, the Colts are two games out of second place in the conference. <laughs> so, you know, you got, like, ten teams in there with five wins. They're sitting Four and five, I feel like we're sitting pretty here. I mean, the, uh, that's what I want to ask you about, Rhett, from a national yeah. perspective. When you look at the AFC, are there teams in that jumbled mess between, I guess you would probably say, the Titans at the top and then, yeah. I guess, the, the Jets at 13? Yeah. Are there teams in there that you you say, all right, that team's five and four, but they're trending up, or that team's four and five and they're trending up? And are the Colts part of that discussion? Yeah, so it's a good it's a good point, and I think there is a line of demarcation there at twelve and thirteen in the conference with the Colts sitting there at four and five, and everybody else with two wins or less. Uh, at this point, it does feel like those bottom four. You know, we're going to be talking about the draft here pretty soon with those four teams, and I don't think that's a hot take. So uh, with the Colts, I think they're very much in it. I think the last month teaches us that. I think if they get some continuity along the offensive line, um, you know, in terms of injuries, if if Braden Smith is able to play here moving forward, I think that's huge here. Um, But as far as the other teams, like, I feel pretty good about Cleveland, you know, sitting there at nine. I'm still – less sold on Denver and Cincinnati right now with the way that Cincinnati's played in the last couple of weeks. Like, we need to see, you know, like they've had their first real stretch of adversity here. So can they figure it out and still make a push in the AFC North um, with the, uh, the Steelers and, 
and the Ravens sitting there at one and two right now in that division. So I think right now Indy's got a good spot here. I mean, the Patriots are right now the seventh seed, right? They're the last team in, and the Colts are only a game back. Like, this, this is very much still a team in the thick of the race, at least in the wild card. I always have to take a chance to turn it back to a Big Ten tie because Rhett and I are IU alumni. Yeah. We went, went to school together yeah. at IU. We went through our graduate program together. Um, so we have known each other for a very long time. So I want to talk about the University of Wisconsin product, Jonathan Taylor. He is turning out to be the best Colts running back since Hall of Famer Edger and James was gracing us in this building. How does Jonathan Taylor keep finding new ways to put this league on notice, right? Yeah, it's a great point, uh, Lara. And uh, gosh, you just, uh, God, I mean, it just uh, made, made my heart feel good. They're just hearing you mention Bloomington and <laughs> Michigan. So Always. thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, it, it's been a rough go this season for our Hoosiers. We'll get to that. But so with, uh, with Jonathan Taylor, um, I made this quote-unquote declaration um, on Friday morning. I do a radio show on Big Ten Radio and Sirius XM, and um, we were talking about the Thursday night game and some of the Big Ten alums in the game. I was like, look, it's not a secret. And Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in football right now. Like, that is that, that is absolutely the case in my mind. That, of course, understanding that Derrick Henry is – out for at least the next few weeks and probably till the playoffs. So with him out, Jonathan Taylor, his burst, his his combination of strength and speed, I think he's got greater home run threat ability than Derrick Henry. Um, and he's just as physical as Derrick Henry. I think the one thing that kept, catches people by surprise still is how good of a receiver he is. Because he just didn't wasn't asked to do it that much at Wisconsin until like the very, you know, his, his last season. And I think that part of his game – uh, has been much better than advertised. And I think it's one of those things where the Colts now have so many different ways. He, they've got so many answers for opposing defenses with the different ways that they can utilize Jonathan Taylor. All right, Rhett Lewis right there. We're talking about the AFC South right now. I want to stick a little bit with with uh, the upcoming game, if I can. Guys, we can go drop back to players in a second, but I've just been, as soon as I heard we had Rhett on the show, I wanted to get his take on this. Of When you look yeah. at the Jacksonville Jaguars all the way around, are they, are, I mean, are they just a... a, a I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but starting with the Urban Meyer. Inspiring. Yeah, I mean, but the, with the Urban Meyer incident, uh, you know, going back, yeah. I just know I'm not speaking for anyone here at the Colts complex whatsoever, but I just know that if I was in position where my head coach had that sort of thing go on, uh, you know, not traveling with his team, having, you know, playing whatever he was playing in the bar with whoever he was playing with, yeah. they wouldn't be around. And then you got to turn the season around somehow and say, hey, I made a mistake, guys, but, uh, you know, still stick with me. I'm your coach. It just, I don't know who they are what do you think when you look at trevor lawrence the overall number one when you look at urban meyer this team getting waxed week in and week out and then all of a sudden pulling the rabbit out of their hat and beating buffalo yeah it's it's a real hard uh team to like to find the like water level with like what are what are they is a good question right i think what they are is a team with a lot of promise and really the only team the only the only picture of that promise right now is trevor lawrence mm-hmm. so we've seen get better week in and week out i thought he showed some toughness thought he showed some real game management skills in this last win over buffalo to hang on uh get a field goal at the end to take the lead and i, I just i think there's a lot to feel good about 
from that perspective with Trevor Lawrence, with Josh Allen, uh, the number seven overall pick in the 19 draft, uh, finally really putting it together this season. I was listening uh, to him talk after the game, and I was just like, man, this guy's got a real good head on his shoulders. So I think you've got two real good stabilizing forces on either side of the ball with Trevor and with Josh Allen. And then some other really good pieces in there, too. It's just not enough on either side. Like, they don't have any juice on offense right now. Like, that's just that, – in terms of X's and O's, like, that's it. Like, Jamal Agnew, who was a defensive back for the Lions, is like their best player right now. Mm-hmm. And so – and he's playing on offense. So it's like, you know, they need to figure out a way to get some juice. I know DJ Chark's injury certainly hurt them um, a couple of weeks ago being out for the year. As far as the other stuff with Urban Meyer, you know, like these are professionals. You know, you guys see that day in and day out with the Colts. Um, and while, you know, the, the situation that Urban Meyer found himself in is, is probably not one that Frank Reich would ever find himself in. Correct. I think, I, I, yes, exactly right. But I, I think that there, there's enough of a galvanizing force between players and that mentality of playing for the guy next to you, not necessarily the guy on the sidelines you know, wearing the headset, I think that's pretty strong. And I think we take that for granted sometimes. Like, oh, my God, look what the coach was doing. How the heck are the players going to play? Well, you know what? They got some pride to themselves. And, like, they're, they're playing for their jobs day in and day out, week in and week out. And they'll rally together with each other, even if it's not, um, you know, again, for the guys that, that are, you know, quote, unquote, in charge of leading the team. I was trying to figure this out earlier in the podcast before we brought you on, Rhett. Was this Jaguars-Bills game? Was this a sign of things to come for the Jaguars, a sign of things to come for the Bills, or just a <laughs> random blip on an 18-game schedule or 18-week schedule? Man, it's such a it's such a tough question because I, I just we've seen better stretches from the Bills this season, and there's just too much there. Sean McDermott is too good of a coach. Um, this is too. This team is too connected. Like, Josh Allen has put those kind of turnovers that we saw in this game behind him. He put that behind him in 2019, and then obviously we saw what he did last year. And I just I think this is more of an aberration for the Bills. And it doesn't have to mean that it's a blip for the Jaguars that they were able to pull the rabbit out of their hat. It could be a building block. It could be they're starting to figure out how to utilize their pieces. They're starting to figure out, you know, how to – how to get some of these pieces involved more. You know, you saw Carlos Hyde uh, with the 21 carries. I mean, the fumble was terrible, but, um, you know, they want to commit to the run game. Great. Let's continue to do that and see what this does for us. You want to, you know, not put Trevor Lawrence in a position where he's got to be throwing it 40 times a game and throwing two and three interceptions. We saw that kind of work that out of his game in the last few weeks. So I think it's, it's a building block for Jacksonville, and I think it's more of a – all right, we got to flush this one if we're the Bills. we got a lot bigger fish to fry here down the stretch of this season. Let's figure it out. And I have a lot of confidence that they will. I don't think we'll see Josh Allen with many more multi-interception games. Rhett, we saw this Colts team come so close on two different occasions against really good teams. Monday night game yeah. in Baltimore and then at home just a few weeks ago against Tennessee had double-digit leads that they gave up in both. Those are wins that, you know, if you were able to calculate those now onto the schedule, puts you in a completely different conversation at this point in the sure. season. This is a team that's still looking for one of those quote-unquote signature wins. You need a win over a, a winning team, over a team that's above 
above 500 over a team that was a playoff contender or in the playoffs last season. When you look at this next month stretch in particular for the Colts. And yeah, you've got that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how much do you need to see You know, this team capitalize on the opportunities that they have and really put together, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that complete 60-minute game and shut out a team when you've got them on the ropes, down 19 like Baltimore, down 14 like Tennessee, when you have games like the Bills, the Bucks, the Cardinals, any of those opportunities coming up. Yeah, look, I mean, there are some huge games here, and I think that that kind of killer instinct is is something that you really need. Um, I think it's something that that can emanate from a guy like Darius Leonard, right? And uh, I think it's you know, part of the reason why we love him is that that ferocity that he plays with, and and because it's also a mentality, as you guys see every day. Um, so that that needs to start filtering through, especially when you find yourselves in an advantageous position within the framework of a game. Um, as you mentioned, up fourteen nothing on the Titans, like you, you can't let that one go. Like you got to figure out a way to get the ball back to your offense. And as an offense, at that point, you got to start grinding some clock, and you got to keep putting points on the board. And these these let ups, these these issues with giving up leads, and then finding yourself, you know, needing a, a comeback at the end of regulation, a force overtime, or um, you find yourself, you know, losing at the end of regulation, you know, in one score games, like. That is ultimately what will decide who makes the playoffs in the AFC, is who can win close games. And I think they've got the leadership to figure that out. But it's a matter of closing. It's a matter of minimizing mistakes in key situations. It's a, it's a matter of taking care of the football. Um, and it's a matter of finding you know explosive plays, like we saw from Jonathan Taylor. Like Those plays are not just points on the scoreboard. They're soul crushers. Like mm-hmm. That crushes the soul of opposing teams. And like, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars this week and the Colts are, you know, you're coming to Lucas oil, take on the Colts and you're watching Jonathan Taylor break off 20, 25, and then like a 75 yard run. That's the type of stuff that goes, man, we're in for another long day here. Right. And so like, those are the type of things that you need against teams down the stretch here, bills, bucks, Patriots, uh, Cardinals, Raiders. I mean, like, you've got the AFC playoff structure on the schedule in the next eight weeks. So they got to figure out how to, how to maximize those opportunities. Rhett Lewis from the NFL Network joins us. Last year, this is a top 10 defense, Rhett. Uh, Justin Houston out, yeah. Quiddy Pay in. Uh, you know, they still got Darius Leonard back there. Uh, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore. You know, in comes Quiddy Pay for Justin Houston. So what is the difference from year one to year two? Because it seems to be like, even with this Jets game, we were just talking about it before we had you on, you know, giving up 30 points to that team at home. It's like, oof. <laughs> Right, to quarterback number three for the majority of the game. Thank you Johnson. for that. Yeah, yeah. It, does, it, it, does, it does. Sorry about that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does make you kind of scratch your head a little bit because there are a lot of the principal impact players still there. Um, to me, a lot of it kind of comes down to uh, the back end. You know, Julian Blackman going down certainly hurts this defense. Uh, Xavier Rhodes kind of playing what feels like a little banged up uh, for much of this season, you know, hurts after he had a terrific year uh, a year ago. And, and then just, you know, Kenny Moore obviously is, is terrific. Um, but I think finding some continuity in the back end um, has been tough this year. I think losing a you know a running mate like Anthony Walker for Darius Leonard is tough. But the the thing 
the thing to me is is pressure, and pressure cures all for defenses. And the, the edge rush just it do, hadn't felt like it's been there uh, for the majority of this season. And I know that Quiddy Pay is going to be a good player in this league. Um, and while he may not be flashing as much as other rookies, you know, like Joe Tryon with the Bucks or you know Jalen Phillips seems to be coming on a little bit with the Dolphins. Like, yeah, he'll get there. Um, and then you know, I just finding that kind of pressure to wreak havoc and, off the edge, I think is is something that they're gonna they're gonna have to try to manufacture here at some point. And so I think that has a ripple effect from up front to the second level to the third level, and then like I said, in the third level when you have some pieces that have kind of been in and out of the lineup at times, it makes things real difficult. Right. I wanted to ask you as a, a you know a national you know person who works for NFL Network, yeah. and I asked something similar to your your coworker Colleen Wolf on our podcast last week about Carson Wentz. But I want to ask you, what is it going to take for the narrative to change nationally about Carson Wentz because he's playing well, but it seems like every yeah. time the Colts are in prime time or their game is on nationally. It's like that Simpsons episode where, like, Lenny and Carl are standing at the, you know, like, by Homer's desk being like, hold on, he's about to do something stupid. But Carson Wentz hasn't done that a whole lot this year. What will it take for the narrative to change about him? You know, I think in certain circles it it was changing. It was on on its way to changing up until the Titans game, and especially at the end of that game when you throw a couple of turnovers, a couple of picks, um, you were like, man, this is – this is kind of like, you know, like sneaky under the radar, like 2017 MVP run Carson Wentz here. You know, a guy's only thrown a couple of picks this season, and then he goes and hits two of them, you know, in a couple of minutes to end that game against Tennessee. And you're like, God, shoot, just when we, just when you were bringing us back in, you know? Um, and so I think time, I think uh, continuing to take care of the football the way he had been for much of this season will go a long way to say, let's, let's say in three or four weeks, you know, let's say you get a couple of wins out of that, uh, that bills buck stretch. And you're like, Whoa, let's go back and look at these numbers from Carson Wentz. This, these look strangely similar to what we saw from him when we thought he was one of the best quarterbacks in football. Um, I, I think they can get there. I think having Frank Reich uh, is given Carson exactly what everyone hoped and thought he would give him, which is a little bit of that stabilizing force, a little bit of that familiar face, that familiar tone, um, and they know each other so well. So, like, I, I think that will continue. I think mostly it's time and lack of turnovers, and then pulling out a couple of these big games in this next month or so would go a long way to kind of ending some of those narratives. And then the last thing, of course, availability. Mm-hmm. He's got to be there down the stretch, and he's got to be if – if this is a playoff team, he's got to be there in the playoffs. That will go a long way. Rhett, you mentioned hope, and it is the yeah. dawn of a new day because it is the beginning of the Indiana basketball season <laughs> under Mike Woodson. You mentioned it. It has no. been a little bit of a struggle for IU football of late, 0-6 in the conference. We've lost five straight, so I'm just going to turn my oh. attention right to the, the basketball, basketball right. right to the basketball season. <laughs> quickly, on, quickly on both sides. I feel like yeah. that, you know, you were talking about in terms of the NFL, a lot of times it's about playing for the guy next to you. But I think with IU football, yeah. it's a lot about playing for Tom Allen because he has created yeah. a culture down there. It seems like that this is just a string of bad luck and this team just having, I mean, the quarterback situation there being what it oh, is, yeah. the injury front. But my heart gets broken year after year when I think <laughs> it's going to be a team that's going to win a bowl game and all of that. So your thoughts on Tom Allen, my 
Mike Woodson being the respective right guys in Bloomington, Indiana, to lead the Hoosiers to better times than what we've experienced Uh, of late. Great Great point, Lara. Um, and with, with Tom, they are the right guys, Tom for sure. And, and I think we're really. He really just dropped. Five, he just L-E-O, dropped. Baby. He just dropped five straight, Lewis. Okay, just I know that your guy, but he hey, did. He did. Hey. He dropped five straight conference games. Hey, how many teams outside of Ohio <laughs> State would be would be uh, you know, finding themselves uh, with a winning record yes. on, on quarterback number three and four, uh, running backs four and five? He's got a point. Uh, cornerbacks four and five. I mean, my goodness, he's got a point. Um, we've had a we've had a terrible run of bad luck here uh, in the, on the injury front, and I, I feel I feel horribly for Michael Penix. Hopefully. Uh, to talk about him getting back into the lineup here at some point before the end of this season would be great to have him back. Um, but here's the thing. Um, Tom Allen has never shied away from expectations. He is, he, and not once this season has he shied away from the fact that they have failed to live up to those expectations. But he did it before in terms of figuring out how to turn this program around and this, you guys were asking about that Jaguars-Bills game. Like, was it a blip? Was it that? This is a blip. This is a blip <laughs> season for the Hoosiers. They're coming back next year. We're going to figure things out. We've got a lot of young players still uh, trying to find their way. I, I, I know that Tom can recruit better players here. And then uh, quickly on the other side with basketball, best recruiting job this season by any men's basketball coach, Let's go. Mike Woodson getting Trace Chase, uh, Jackson Davis back to Bloomington for another season. Best player in the conference, and we're going to see it tonight. I love it. Let's go. All right, ooh, you heard ooh, it. Ooh. We are covered when Bloomington football and basketball. <laughs> we're doing that with Rhett Lewis from the NFL Network. Listen, folks, follow him on Twitter, at NFL. That's R-H-E-T-T, at NFL. Man, I appreciate it. I got a couple more before we let you go. Who is the most superior team in the National Football League today, and will these Indianapolis Colts be playing in the postseason? Okay, so the best team in football right now, is the Tennessee Titans. Oof. Sorry. Oof. Sorry. Oof. They are going to run away with the AFC South, but the Colts will sneak into the post. Yeah! Yes! Lewis! And Carson Wentz makes a run. <laughs> I don't know how many games they're going to win, but they're going to win at least one. I love yeah. it. I love, I love it. it. Yes. Brett Lewis, we'll have you back weekly All if right. you want, man. I like this. Positivity <laughs> everywhere, down in Bloomington and up here. Hey, sure appreciate hey. the hey, time, there's man. A reason, there's a reason his jersey's hanging up inside Nick's English hut. Oh, look at you, man. <laughs> you don't get that by being negative towards your alma mater, okay? Athlete. <laughs> Athlete, Rhett Lewis. Man, sure appreciate the time. Keep up the great have work on the guy. network, man. And, uh, again, hope to have you back before the, uh, the postseason Thanks, starts. Buddy. No problem. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Rhett Lewis from the NFL Network right there. Guys, had a fun time with this. Uh, very fun. That's on me, Lara. You told me to. You said, you idiot. Hit that button so the folks don't hear the beep, 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 but they did. But that's what you get when I've got uh, you know my hands on the ones and twos. J.J. Stankovitz, any parting shots here? Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network wherever you get your podcasts. That is it. Lara, say something that folks want to know before we cut out. 
let's get the dub. On, let's get the dub on Sunday. Let's get the dub on Sunday, and let's get you a new fresh batch of red wine that you don't break <laughs> yeah. and shatter yes. all over the place. I think I'm just going to, if anybody has a drizzly po- promo code, I'm just going to get my wine delivered. Oh, my boy. box of Boda all right. coming via drizzly. For Lara Overton, JJ Stankovitz, and Tugboat, who if he was there would have been slurping up that red wine. I'm Jeffrey Gorman. We he do it week in and week age. out. <laughs> That's true. And a big thanks to Casey Vallier who puts all this mess together for us. Casey, sure appreciate the help. Guys, I had fun. Let's do it again next week. This is a win. I, I say I don't do many guarantees, but I'm guaranteeing this one. Urban Meyer, you're not going to be play, not going to be able to play grab ass this weekend, Urban Meyer. <laughs> we are talking about a Colts team that is ready to play football. Folks, we'll talk to you next week.